You are listening to Sales As I Know It. I'm your host, Kiefer Bartell. Thank you so much for listening today. This is a show connecting amazing people, sharing their story of what it was like to be new in a career in sales, and advice on how to succeed in your career. Let's get started. Tell your whole story. Okay, excellent. Well, my name is Anthony Alagona, and I'm a national sales trainer and uh, motivational speaker, and 90% of my business is uh, in the automotive industry, where I build and train business development centers, work with their sales staff, and teach them on how to create more opportunities to sell more cars, and when they get the customers inside the door, to over-deliver on the overall customer experience. I, um, I come from a hospitality background, meaning... Um, before I jumped into this industry in 2011, I spent about 20 years in the hospitality business, um, really focused on um, over-delivering on the customer experience, and I took a lot of pride in that. And I think it gives me a, a unique approach um, compared to the rest of the industry um, as to how I teach people on how to interact with other people and how to leave a lasting impression. No, I think that's that's super true. and. Um you know, I think I've seen a ton of people come from the hospitality industry and how much, you know, they view customer service different uh, than if they just came from sales. Yes. So, so kind of get me up to speed. So you come to the industry in 2011, you're in the hospitality industry. What do you think was some of the key pointers you took from the hospitality industry that you bring into what you do now? Well, you know, even I, even when I go into training classes right, right now, I give them the example. I mean, um, I went, the first job I ever had in the restaurant business was uh, at Macaroni Grill, and then I moved over to Lone Star Steakhouse. Um, I jumped from that steakhouse to Outback, but when I jumped from Outback to my first fine dining restaurant is where, where I really kind of took myself to the next level as far as a salesperson because, you know, at the end of the day, everybody's in sales. Everything, like Grant Cardone says, everything that we want is a commission, and everything that we do to get it is actually a sale. So I think... Once I jumped into that uh, fine dining restaurant, I really kind of changed my mindset and how I approached everything. And the way I can kind of paint the picture is, is that, you know, when I go into dealerships now, I say, what's the difference between a salesperson and a sales professional? And, and that answer is everything. And I ask people to raise their hands around the room. I said, by raise their hands, how many people in this room or uh, in, in your network of friends do you know that go home and practice their craft every single day outside of work without exception, without fail? And usually it's not many hands. So usually there's a couple and I don't even know if that's true, but there's not many people that will go home after work and practice their craft. And as far as salespeople, it would be practicing their walk around presentation, practicing presenting numbers, practicing their social media, doing their walk around video strategy. There's so many things that could be practicing, but will they? And, um, when I was in the restaurant business, when I walked into that fine dining restaurant and I looked at the menu prices uh, and the wine list compared to what I was doing at Outback, I knew I had a unique opportunity because it was a very busy restaurant and was brand new. So literally, I mastered the, the menu from word to word, word for word. I, I memorized every single word in the exact order it was in. I knew what page you were looking at by your eyes, and I knew what section you were looking at. I knew what dishes you were looking at. I also started to pick up a bottle of wine every day. And read the story on the back of it and master that and present them every single night. The reason I tell you this is because people started to become a $10 bill to me because I knew that if I could get people to spend at least $50 a head and I was going to over deliver on their experience, I would make at least 20%. So if I wanted to walk out with $600, I needed to figure out how I can get 60 people in my section throughout the night. 
And sure. it was really easy because, because it was busy. And what I started to do is I started to take orders without the pen. I would be able to take an order of 20 people without a pen. I could take their drinks, their appetizers, and their entrees. And the reason I was able to do that is because I mastered the, mem uh, the menu and I had a really good memory. And I remember my, the first table I went to and they said, listen, you know, what happens if you get it wrong? And I said, you know, if I get it wrong, I'm going to buy your entree. And I only got it one, uh, wrong once in my entire hospitality career. But it was something that separated me. And I started to learn on how to develop more business for myself and become above average and make $100,000 waiting tables. Uh, I used to take my Friday and Saturday night people and explain to them that people in the hospitality industry, we go out to eat when Mondays and Tuesdays when there's nobody else there because chefs say yes to more things and, and the restaurants are willing to do more because there's not many people in the restaurant. So I would turn the, my Friday and Saturday night people into Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday people and still be able to make the five or $600 on a Monday and Tuesday and my weekends, weekends would fill back up. So I bring that approach um, of the, having the mindset from the hospitality, but knowing that Kiefer, uh, what, what kind of, what, what do you drink? What's your, what's your spirit of choice if you go out for a drink? You know, the crazy thing is I don't drink at all. So, <laughs> but I, do drink a, I do drink a ton of coffee. So we, <laughs> that is the truth. Right. So let me give you an example. Um, so you, you don't, most people would not go out to a restaurant or a bar because one bar has better Grey Goose than the other, right? The vodka. Oh, right. right? They, yeah. They're both serving the same stuff. You go for the experience that comes along with that. And you can't take a picture of hospitality. Hospitality is how you make somebody feel, right? And all, right. People, make, all people make a decision based upon a feeling. And if you want to change what they're going to do, you got to change how they feel about it. So in the car business, we already know how most of our customers feel about us. And what we got to do is we got to change that perception. Are we willing to change that perception and realize that this is sales is just a language? And, you know, when people say, Anthony, um, you know, I don't want to learn scripts or I don't think it's about word tracks. I say, well, listen, try to sell me a car or set me an appointment without saying anything, without without any words. It's impossible. So it's really it's about mastering commun your communication skills on, on how effective you're going to be. And that's how I think I'm a little bit unique coming from the hospitality industry on knowing that everything's a presentation before the sale, right? It's all about your presentation. That's what separated me from everybody else when I was waiting tables was, you know, I mastered my skill set. I never went to a, a table with a pen. It always left people wondering how I was going to remember everything and how I would be able to tell people to close the menus and say, what are you in the mood for, pasta, seafood? What about something with a little penne pasta, some shrimp, some artichoke carts, some sun-dried tomatoes, maybe a little white wine and some butter? And they were like, yes, 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 not realizing that I just read something off the menu that they already closed and they don't know because they closed it. And I think that that probably got them to believe, you know, that you were an expert at what you did. Exactly. And that's why we see the Ali Reddas and the, and the Frank Renitis and like the Bill Haves and the people that are really excelling in our industry. They're relentless. It's, I, I tell people it's more important what you do every day than what you do once in a while. And we see what those guys do every day, and that's why they get the results. Uh, that's that's for sure. And and getting to interview them on the show has been really interesting. And you know, the thing with it is, is high performing people, whether in any industry, have things in common. You know, and and a lot of it, I, I think, if anything, out of interviewing those people, mindset has been the biggest thing. That they they might be slightly different in some areas, but they've got a lot of things in common. And you used a great word, you used the word relentless, and I think that that is a uh, a thing that most uh, high performers are going to have in common. 
I agree a hundred percent. You have to have that. And it's, it takes practice to get that. And it takes, um, it takes practicing controlling your mindset and your emotions as well. And realizing that all of our feelings as human beings that we get, they're all temporary. They go away. And we just got to learn how to let the negative ones go a little faster than we usually do. Yeah, that's huge. So, so now so you're in the restaurant hospitality industry. So kind of like transforming up to, you know, what happens next after that. So you're, you're doing great. You're, you're obviously doing stuff in that industry that most people don't ever get that level of skill set to do. Yeah. And then what happens next? Well, you know, I work for some really big um, places, you know, to, to name drop, you know, one of the places I worked at was a really high volume upscale super lounge. Uh, Mark, um, John Bon Jovi's brother opened up and uh, it was very busy and uh, very successful and it was very fun. So basically, to make a long story short, in 2008, before I jumped in this industry, right around 2007 to 2008, I was on a crash course in my life from making a lot of bad decisions, meaning I started to abuse drugs very badly and alcohol very badly. And I became a person that I promised myself I never would become. But the industry and everything that came along with it, um, I let eat me up. And I actually became homeless. And that uh, was probably actually one of the best things that ever happened to me. Because if I didn't, be, if that didn't happen to me, I don't think I'd be doing what I'm doing today. Um, the day my, the day I kind of hit rock bottom was, I think it was 2007. I, I went home for Christmas, and my family knew I was homeless, and my mom was kind of sliding me money on the side to help me keep afloat, keep, you know, to pay for hotel rooms and stuff like that and food. And uh, my whole family was there, and my mom and my sister at the time gave me a Christmas present. It was a, a stick off the tree in the backyard with a uh, bandana. And they got shaving cream and razors and toothpaste and all the necessities and made me a hobo stick and gave it to me and gave it to me in front of my family. Yeah. Can you imagine? Um, I still get kind of emotional talking about it, but that day I cried inside. I took it and I actually needed it. So it wasn't so bad, Um, but I left and I told myself I would never come home until I turned my life around. And that day I told myself, this is it. I'm done. I'm done feeling sorry for myself. I mean, I lost. I'm 100 and maybe 80 pounds right now. I was probably down to 135. I was skinny. My eyes were, you know, drawn in. I mean, I, I was in bad shape. And then I got myself back into, uh, back on my feet. I started working for my mother. She was running, um, she was a district manager for BP gas station. So I started working for her to get myself on my feet. And then I jumped back into the hospitality industry and working for a hotel, um, which I didn't want to take, but I took when I met my wife, who was my girlfriend in 2008. And uh, it got me back on my feet. I, was, I started making really good money. I was probably making like $1,500 a week cash plus benefits at a hotel, working five days a week and kind of get my life back on track, but starting to fall back into some of them old, old patterns as well after work. And uh, I ran into one of my friends that owns a company similar to what I do. And I think you know the, the name of that company, but I'm not going to name it. Um, and he said, Anthony, you know, we've known each other forever. You're great with people. You're good in sales. Why don't you come work for me? And uh, that was in 2011, and he said, I said, you know what, you know, let me go check it out. So I literally didn't have a driver's license at the time, and he lived about an hour and 45 minutes away from me. I'm on the Jersey Shore, and his office was in Philadelphia. So I convinced my girlfriend to drive me to his house, and I actually slept at his house for a couple of days, and I went to the office with him and took a look at what everything he was doing, and, and I said, you know what, I'll take it. And he said, Anthony, I can only give you about $12 an hour because I don't know if you're going to like it. you got to start from the ground up. You're going to start by listening to phone calls and doing some low-level stuff. And 
I didn't even know what a CRM tool. I wasn't even good on the internet, even sending emails back then. You know, <laughs> like a, I was just in party mode, being a bartender in the hospitality industry and being a club promoter. Right, so I did right. that, and uh, I went. He's like, you know, are you gonna take it? And I said yes. And and he's like, well, you know, how are you gonna get here? And I said, I'll figure it out. And I went home, and my girlfriend, who's my wife now, said, how are you gonna get there? And I knew from having a little bit of a shady past that I could rent a car from Enterprise, and they wouldn't check the status of my license. And um, I literally rented a car for a year for $730 a month and paid for $20 a, a day in gas and tolls and drove suspended for a year to teach myself. <laughs> so um, it was quite interesting in the beginning. I don't recommend everybody do that, but that's where one of the quotes that I live by, that if you want the things that most people don't have in life, you have to be willing to do the things most people aren't willing to do. That's when I realized that that's what I needed to do. My girlfriend was like, you know, your your $12 an hour isn't even covering your rent a car for a month. What about rent and, you know, all the other bills you got to pay? Yeah. You know, and I said, well, listen, if I got to change, if I'm, I don't want to be a bartender. And if, I, if I'm in the restaurant business, I know it's going to eat me up. I just know that I'm susceptible to falling back into old habits. And I knew I had to change my surroundings and the people I hung out with. So I made a drastic change and I went to go work for my buddy. And I did it for about eight months. And uh, I worked for about eight months before we had a, a little bit of a disagreement. And we parted ways after eight months. I jumped back in the hospitality industry. Cause I didn't know what I was going to do with myself. I actually created a company, um, pretty good marketing company, which uh, I'll tell you about in another on another episode, so to speak, between me and yourself. But I sure. became very successful doing it. And about three months after that, he reached back out to me and he said, "Anthony, I want you to come back to work." And I said, "You know, I never wanted to leave in the first place. And I, and uh, but if I'm going to come back, we're going to we're going to make this right for both of us because you know, as friends." I expected more. He expected more. I took for granted um, a lot of things. He took for granted a lot of things because of friends. So uh, I went back to work for him, and then I told myself if I was going back, I was not going to quit again. Like if I'm going to make a name for myself, I'm going to make some, I'm going to make something of myself in the automotive industry. So literally, I went back, started training. I got myself involved with all the clients. I literally was on a plane once a week, twice a week, going to dealerships around the country. I became a trainer. Started doing the phone training. I start. I started being more about business development and CRMs, and I just I mastered my craft. And after about four years, uh, on May 14, 2015, I decided to make that jump. And the only reason I left the company was because there was no more room for me to grow. He said, "Anthony, I um, you know, I really can't pay you anymore." And uh, you know, it was just it was just a time for me to part ways. And I made that jump, and I put I put it out on social media. And I said, thank you for the opportunity. I did everything the right way. And unfortunately, knowing how other people left the company, um, I knew that that wasn't going to be that easy for me. I knew that he was going to not be happy and, and come at me. And he did. So I got attacked for about a year straight on social media, telling everybody, don't work with me. I'm a fraud. He's trying to steal my clients. He also tried to sue me for a non-compete that I signed the first time I worked for him. Um, which I ended up beating in court. I just had to, you know, stay away from his clients. And then he actually sent an email to 20,000 dealerships saying, don't work with me, I'm a fraud, um, because I never sold cars before I started working for business development senators. And, you know, I told myself I can, you know, I can respond to him, but uh, I thought to myself, how people treat you reveals their character and how I'm going to respond is going to reveal mine. So I chose to take the high road and I said, Anthony, you're going to fail for a good year. He's going to come at you for a year because, you know, that's what he knows how to do. But you got to be able to focus. So that same day, 
what I did. And I apologize. I got my daughter crying over here. Oh, it's, it's understand. I, I wouldn't be surprised if my son didn't make a noise somewhere on the show. Um, so I told myself that day, I put another post out on social media. I said, Anthony, I'm going to work out for 90 days and I'm going to run every day for 90 days. I'm going to be a runner again because I used to like running when I was young. And I'm going to post it to social media and I'm going to let people follow me. And I'm, I'm going to lead by example. And that's how going through that, getting sued and getting torn up on social media and having people try to discredit my name. I mean, I literally had people all over the industry sending me inboxes of screenshots of things that were being said about me. And I said, it's okay. It's okay. And I just put my head down and I literally worked out every day for 90 days and I ran nine every day for 90 days. And I told myself at the end of 90 days and I get pushed out of the industry by a judge or, you know, my, my name gets so much goes through muddy waters that people don't want to hire me. At least I'll be in shape and my wife will love me. Right. Or my future wife. <laughs> when, I, when I left him, I was also getting married. I left in May. I was getting married in September to an Indian girl with a big Indian wedding. Just bought a Jeep. Just moved into a new house in a nice neighborhood like that I was renting out. And I had no plan on how I was going to make money. And my fiance was like, what are we going to do? And I said, listen, <laughs> I'm not going back to being a bartender. I am not going to fail. I'm going to do this. It's, it's going to be tough. But listen, this is, uh, this, uh, this is going to be part of my story. So I ran and I, and I just got obsessed with working out every day. And, and just not responding to attacks. And from not responding to the attacks, people started to see through the attacks and people started to reach out and see me as being genuine. And I told myself, I don't have to work with every dealer. I just need 12 dealers to work with that love me so much and I can get results for that want to bring me back once every three months. And I can be a very successful person only working with a handful of dealerships. So I just did that. I said, don't focus on trying to get a bunch. Just focus on one at a time. And I did that and I started focusing on one at a time and I started over delivering on the experience and I made sure I got reviews and they always give me referrals. And literally since May 14, 2015, I have never once called one dealership to solicit business to say, hire me. Not once. I've always, it's always been me responding to somebody requesting information about training and I'm pretty much booked out six months in advance and I can work when I want to work. And I'm not trying to say that to impress people, but I want to inspire people that if I can go through the things that I've went through, and I can do the things that I can do. I'm laying down the, the, the roadmap for the people behind me. So all you got to do is follow it. It's, it's not rocket science and I'm not any more special than anybody else. But the two things that make me different is my positive attitude and my work ethic. I think that's huge. And like, uh, you know, it's one of those things where no, I don't think anybody takes it that way. Hearing that, I think it, it tells them that, you know, there's a way it can happen. And here's a here's a process that. Uh, somebody else went through and look at what they got out of it. And maybe I could do something similar, you know, or maybe I could grow. Um, and no matter what I'm going through outside, you know, in their personal lives, uh, you know, there's a, there's a positive, positive side on the, uh, on the other end of it. And I think so often people kind of get caught in this, like, I'm sure you've seen it like a, it's almost like a spiral where like, it just keeps, you know, their life keeps getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And, uh, usually what I find with it is like, they just don't, you know, they don't know how to stop it, you yeah. know? And, 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 and I'm sure maybe, maybe you have some opinion on that, but, uh, to me, I've seen it happen over and over again. And for whatever reason, whether it's the sales industry, hospitality industry, um, you know, I think that part of your story is very true. I, I've worked with many people over the course of the years that, um, you know, have had addiction problems and those type of things. And, uh, it, it's a tough thing to watch too uh, on the other side of it. It really is. And I have family that struggle with it and it's definitely a, touching, t- a tough thing to watch. And that's where my other 
my other quote comes into what, you know, too, I live by. The second quote I live by is you have to consciously create your habits because your habits are unconsciously creating your reality. And people don't realize that whatever we're doing every day is just a, it's a force of habit. And um, we don't realize how habits are even formed and how subconscious they are. We go through the same motions every day, doing the same thing, experiencing the same feelings. And the feelings basically um, reinforce that habit, so to speak. So I told myself, if I, if I need to stop doing the things I was doing, I need to stop hanging out with certain people. And once I stopped hanging out in bars and I started going to seminars and investing in myself and investing in others, more importantly, that's when my life really started to change is when I, I told myself I had nothing. When I left the company, I had no money saved. I said, I have nothing to lose. If I, if I go all in, how much am I really losing? I don't really have a lot to lose. So I can push all in, right? It's like, it's like going in with, you know, with the, with the, with the low stack in, in the World Series of Poker. It's all in, baby. A chip in a seat. Um, <laughs> exactly right. Right? So, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely been an interesting ride. It, I ended up, matter of fact, uh, my former employer came back at me again last uh, December and tried to do another smear campaign. But it seems like every time they did, uh, it made me busier, and they have since reached out and apologized again. So hopefully that stays good because uh, there's enough room for everybody in this industry. And I'm just trying to help dealers create more opportunities to sell more cars and, and showing them that it's not really rocket science. It's We're not really selling. We're kind of upselling. It's like when I was in a restaurant, people don't come to the restaurant to be up, buy anything besides food, right? right. I, don't, I don't cook the steak. I bring it to you. And I bring it in and, I, and, I, and I, I suggest what kind of wine that you should go with that steak. And I upsell. Same thing in the car business. They're coming to buy a car. They don't come to buy a boat. They don't come to buy a TV. They're coming to buy a car. Right? <laughs> I'm trying to upsell so what, you. <laughs> so what was what was the, your response? I mean, you probably had a bunch of friends that, uh, you know, over the course of you now, you know, changing your life completely. And you had probably had a ton of friends in the hospitality industry that, you know, thought you changed. You didn't want to hang out with them anymore. Um, yes. I, I would imagine that, that was an interesting journey by itself. You know, I know even when I got more focused on, you know, whether it's a project like this show or a project like, you know, bettering myself, it always brings up some interesting comments uh, from buddies of mine that maybe aren't focused that way or push that hard or or things like that. So I'm curious your opinion on that. Absolutely. And you know what? It's funny because when I jumped in back into the hospitality industry right after my first stunt with my um, my former employer, I, the company I created was for bartenders and it became very successful. It, was, it almost became a reality show. So people got a feel for, for how I changed my life back then. But since I came back and started my own company, there have been people that, that just, you know, they're haters out there. And I, I just tell them, I say, listen, it's my, my, my purpose is more important than their opinion. Um, and, and now I get paid for my opinion. So I think mine's a little bit more valuable. <laughs> so I don't, I don't let it bother me. And I, I and I just try to inspire other people, and I and I, I give away my services a lot for free, more than most other trainers. As a matter of fact, I get criticized a lot because, Anthony, why are you giving away a free day? Your time's worth money. Well, it's not it's not all about money for me. It's 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 really not. Um, you know, if I want to give away free training, and <laughs> so be it. It's uh, I'm not trying to be a millionaire. I mean, I'm gonna be a millionaire, but it's it's not like that's what I'm focused on. Come here, honey. Um, but when when I get the when I get the haters, I just try to tell them, I say, listen, you could do the same thing I'm doing. Um, it's just about focusing and most people, most people don't even put a goal out there and then attach a plan to it. Right. I mean, how many people do you know? That's a huge, huge, huge thing where, you know, most people don't ever even have a goal. They just, they let life happen yeah. and whatever happens or whatever it serves up to them. They think that that's what they deserve. Absolutely. And think, I think, I think about it, you know, just in our, our industry alone, the salesperson, right? 
you walk up to ra a random salesperson, maybe not at your dealership, but if you go to an average dealership, wait, you ask them, you know, how many cars you want to sell? They're going to tell you, Anthony, I want to sell 20 cars. It's not even about, Anthony, I want to make 15 grand. <laughs> like, it should be a number of how much you want to make, and then the cars are a vehicle that gets you there. And then understanding that are, that are nine different ways you can sell a car through fresh ups, through beebacks, through phone, through internet, through service drive, through referrals, through prospecting, through repeat customers, through social media. And they all have different closing percentages attached to them. So it's about figuring out where you're getting those people because you can't depend on the upfront to sell 20 cars because there's only a 20% chance to close them. So you're going you're gonna to tell me everybody's going to get 100 ups every month? And I'll tell you, I want to grow hair. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, I, I mean, so many people don't look at, you're right, the number and then divide up how many it takes to get there. And in fact, like, you know, that's, I, I had this conversation with somebody else, you know, you go to a lot of, lot of businesses across the country, and uh, we talk about the dealership business, and, and the show's about more than that, but it, it certainly is part of it. Um, it's crazy how many eight to 10 to 12 car people exist, and it hasn't changed. It hasn't changed in the near decade that I've done it. And it hasn't changed probably in the 30, last 30 years. There, it's, it's typically the same number of, you know, people still say they want the same number. And if you look at the averages, it still hasn't grown. And yet you have certain people in the industry, you know, breaking all-time records. Yeah. So obviously there's a different way to do it. Agreed. I, I just, I couldn't imagine wanting to show up every day to do an average job. That to me just makes zero sense. But I'm different than some people. And yeah. uh, I think that that's a huge, you know, huge thing in the industry. And, you know, unfortunately, I think there's a lot of salespeople that just don't have a, the right direction or enough direction and they don't really know the, the right way to go. You know, so they kind of just listen to everybody else that tells them what they think they should maybe know. And who knows if that person's right. <laughs> like, no, you know? I, I agree so much with what you're saying, too. And it's, it's crazy because I, when I go into dealerships, I say, listen, you work 20, 22 days to 23 days a month. And. If you're selling 12 cars, you're working 10 or 11 days for free, right? Who, goes, who wants to go to work for free? And if you're going to spend 10 hours a day or sometimes 12 hours a day working a bell, you're spending 50 to 60 hours a week with your work family more than your bud flaming. Why are you not being really strategic with your time and making as much as you can make to buy back your time so when you do go to your family, you can spend it the way you want to spend it and how you want to spend it? And if I can give you one place to go every single day to find a car sale, which you, I can guarantee if you go to this one place, you'll find one. Will you go there? And they always tell me yes. You know where that place is? It's in your CRM tool. Because you can find one person in your CRM every day that you can sell a car to. Promise. <laughs> it's just there. The BDC does it every day. <laughs> every day. So getting to deal with you know different people in your training class, that type of thing, I mean, what, what do you find – you know, I, I got to imagine there's some frustration too. you know, dealing with you might you probably have the same conversation sometimes over and over again, meaning, uh, you know, I, I would imagine you sit with salespeople and they say, well, why am I not hitting my numbers or what can I do to hit my numbers? And really, like there's some basics that don't ever change. And yet I think sometimes we spend a fair amount of time on like the, the glamour or the, you know, uh, I'm going to post uh, things on social media and that's going to be the thing that gets it. And really, there's people we can call. And there's yeah. people to reach out to that can get us more car deals than a Facebook post. So, Absolutely. um, I agree. So I, I don't know if you, you know, you deal with that on a, a more a daily basis too of, you know, uh, it almost seems like salespeople don't know how to generate their own business. They, and you know what? They don't because every time I go to a dealership and even sometimes I go back to the same dealership and I can say the same thing 20 times and 
the same people won't do the things I tell them to do, which are really, really simple. And it's, it's, I tell people, no one really goes to Facebook to say, I can't wait to see a car salesman post that they want to sell a car because it's the end of the month. Right. No one, no one, no one really cares. You gotta become, right. You gotta become a resource online. Like, you know, people, in my opinion, people follow me and people, um, gravitate towards me to doing business with them, not just because of what I teach in business development uh, and what, and I practice what I teach, but because of the energy and how I make them feel along with it. Like part of my job is to help you find your potential and, and show you how to maximize it because I believe we all have potential. Successful people just maximize theirs better. And it's about just knowing what you need to do. And the average salesperson doesn't know how to go out there and become their own entrepreneur. They're not willing to invest in themselves. And that's one of the reasons I work out every single day to go to the gym and I run every day. Like I've been trying to get our buddy Bill Havre to do the 75 hard thing. He's been talking about it and yeah. I've been busting his chops and I've been calling it 75 soft. And he's like, bro, why don't you do it? And I said, Bill, don't you see? I kind of do it every day except for maybe drinking the whole gallon of water. I mean, I'm, I pretty much post twice a day. I, I do one workout inside. I do. I go to the run the beach every day. I, I, I do my post. I, I read a book every day. You know, I'm reading every single day. The only thing I'm not doing is drinking a whole gallon of water. And um, the reason I, I work out every day is because that's the hard part. If, if you can get that work ethic in, if you can figure out how to get a six-pack, six figures are easy. Anybody can make money. But try getting a six-pack. <laughs> like, that's hard. That's, that's really hard stuff. So Very, very hard. <laughs> right? It teaches your work ethic. But most salespeople don't realize that, you know, when I tell them, if I can get you to dial the phone 60 times a day, I can get you six cars a month. I can do that. And I don't need you to dial the phones all day. That's, that's where salespeople kind of get discouraged. Oh, I don't want to be on the phones all day. Well, you don't need to be on the phones all day. You need to be on the phone between 9 and 10.30, between 11.30 and 1 p.m., and then somewhere between 5 and 7. Right? Those are three time periods where you should be slamming the phones, creating more opportunities. If you want the things that most salespeople don't have in life, you must be willing to do the things most salespeople are not willing to do. They're not even willing to get a review from every single customer they ever sell a car to. Why would you? I think that's. I think that comes to. I mean, correct me on this, but like, it almost seems like they're afraid to ask for it, you know. Yeah. Or even like you're talking about phone calls. I think salespeople in general get afraid to. Oh, I think I'm going to upset the customer. I think I'm going to uh, be have mad. And it's like you know, in my course, my career, like I don't know that I ever really had that happen very often. No, you know what happens when you think you're going to make a customer mad? You'll make a customer mad because you're attracting that into your life. I'm big on the laws of attraction. It's like. When you say, I'm going to be late, I'm going to be late, I'm going to be late, what happens? You're late. So, so you get what you focus on. If we, think about being a kid and even growing up. Everything that you've ever focused on, Keeper, you've always gotten, haven't you? Yeah, no, that's true. Once you, once, you, once you put all your focus into something and that's, how, that's all you think about, you end up getting it, whether it's good or bad. And most salespeople, like you said, they're afraid to pick up the phone and they're definitely afraid to ask for a review. They're not realizing... I mean, that's how I get most of my business. If somebody's on the fence, I say, do me a favor, Google me, throw me on YouTube. Don't take my word for it. Go see what my other customers said about me, my clients, right? And, and understand that it's, if you don't focus on your client, if, if you focus on your client's outcome, you'll never worry about your income, right? People think price is, a, is an objection, right? They, they, Anthony, I get, a, I get the price objection all the time. I'm like, really, price is an objection to you? Really? So when you go to buy a house, do you not ask the asking price? Or when you go to Best Buy and you try to pick up that 70-inch TV off the rack, do you not look at the price tag? Or is that an objection too? It's, it's an expectation. They already know the price. They're, they're, so over, they're so concerned about overcoming a price objection instead of explaining that we use software to price our vehicles and it's not just made up out of thin air. 
And we can't do all the business that we do by putting our second best price out there because it's a very competitive market. It doesn't mean you lose all the leverage, Mr. Customer, but it means now the leverage is in the hundreds of dollars. But there are a lot of things that factor into pricing and some ways I can save you some money, which is why I want to see what's important to you as far as your trim levels. Instead of trying to overcome it, let's try to teach people on how to paint the picture on how we price them and then how we can save you money through certain conversations. If you, if you want that fully loaded Honda up in silver, but I only have one and 13 in blue, I, I promise you the blue is going for a better price. Or if it's been on a lot for 180 days, I'm going to discount that bad boy. Yeah, and I think I, I agree with you. I mean, I think most salespeople use uh, price. They get scared. That, well, I, I knew they were going to ask about this again. This is what they were going to ask about. And it's like, yes, of course they're going to ask about it. What would you ask about? Well, I'd probably ask about that too. Okay, then why are you surprised by it? It's like, how would you, why, why do you let it bother you? Hey, Kiefer, how would you feel if you called me up and said, Anthony, I want you to come train my dealership. And, and what, do you, what do you charge? And I said, you know what, Kiefer, your presence is your leverage. Bro, hire me. I'll tell you when I get there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody would. Right, ever. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I think, you know, like we're talking about with salespeople, you know, they get so afraid to make that extra call or they get afraid to uh, have that conversation about price. And, and the truth of it is, it's nothing to be afraid of. Like yeah. in, in, in almost any sales industry, you're going to get the same questions over and over and over again. Yep. So if, if you don't prepare for it, then that's on you. And, and you know what's crazy is that now more than ever in today's society, we have it's not about the resources you have. You have it's about the resourcefulness, but they have more resources now with, with people like yourself that are doing something like this to help them the industry become better to to give a, people a place to go to to fine tune their craft. There are Facebook groups everywhere. There are people that we know that are crushing it that we can follow and pick up on what they're doing. I mean, there's more inspiration out there than there's ever been, right? I didn't grow up with Facebook. I don't think you did either. No, and and the thing with it is, is it's the accessibleness, right? Like I, I think the fact that you know, even you know, e even the distance between you and I, uh, I can reach out to you. I know you're an expert in your field, and I can get you on the show. And Absolutely. and ten, fifteen years ago, that would have been a lot, a lot harder. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and I, I think that's the thing that changes the industry. So I think if you're a salesperson now and you don't use those resources, that's on you. I mean, you tra training yourself now. I mean, when I got into sales, it was a reading a book. There might have been there might have been some videos about it, but there was a lot less. Yeah, now, some, some old Grant Cardone tapes and some um, some Tony Robbins. <laughs> I, I have those though, and I do love yeah, them. But, uh, <laughs> every time, well, the crazy thing is when I go back and watch that stuff, how accurate it still is today. That, yeah. That, that you might add social media into it, you might add all these other things, but at the end of the day, we're still selling to people. And yep. people don't change. I mean, they might change the context of how they feel about something or their their opinion on options and equipment or whatever the, whatever the thing is, but the concerns that people had years ago are similar concerns today. And I think that's why that stuff becomes, you know, I, I love watching sales training stuff, you know, and I'll even watch stuff all the way back to like, you know, the 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s and like, it's pretty interesting stuff. And the one thing that I think is different then to now is there was a whole lot of like uh, really good, uh, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like really good benefit building, you know, like a feature yeah. benefit. They did a really good job because, you know, you look at it like, a, like an automobile now and like, you know, they can basically drive themselves. And then those cars were, yeah, way cheaper. I get that point. But that car was insanely basic. And they still got people to get excited about it and want to drive it and get a new one. I mean, 
So uh, to me, that's always really interesting, and I love that love that part of uh, uh, of the business is watching the, the old sales training stuff. So some people call me crazy about it, but I've I've learned to love it. No, absolutely, you gotta love those things. Um, so so kind of keep us on track a little bit. I, I get off on a tangent, but uh, uh, so at what point did you realize, like, hey, you know, being in the sales training business, helping dealers, uh, was what you wanted to do, and that was what you were gonna keep doing. You know what, uh, the first time I worked for him, right before I left, when I left, as I was leaving, I kind of knew that that was my call, and because I, I, I felt it in my heart. I felt the disappointment in myself, because I knew, I mean, not many people know the first dealership I ever trained, I almost screwed up my whole career, because I went to go, I went to go down and train for my former employer, and I trained a dealership called David Varish Chevrolet down in San Antonio, and I was replacing another trainer that was leaving the company. And I did my first day of training on site, and the, the people loved me, and they said I crushed it. And the dealer took me and the other trainer out to dinner, and we had a beer, and he gave us a, a demo, and we went out on the river walk, and me and the other trainer started drinking. And, well, don't you know, I got drunk, and I ended up getting a DUI in the, oh, dealer's, no. in the dealer's car. Right? Oh, no. Thank God I made such an impression on the dealership that they actually called up my boss for me and said, do not fire him. We want to bring him back. Everything, you know, pe- you know, good things happen to bad things happen to good people. Excuse me. And, uh, you know, I think he realized he's like, I don't know what you did, but they love you. And thank God, because, you know, I could have totally screwed up a client. And, uh, when I did that, I knew how much I loved that first day when I trained, I knew how much I loved putting an impact on people. And then when I went back the second time to work for him, I said, I will never leave this business again. I will make a name for myself. I, I promise myself I'm not leaving because this is what I love to do. And I, I, it's not even about the money for me, honestly. I mean, I just like going out there and making an impression on people and letting them know that you know, this business, the industry that we're in, is an is a industry of circumstance. No, no one really grows up and says, I want to be in the car business. Kind of, <laughs> kind of, a lot of, most of us get here from failing at something different. Like, you know, I, I was in the restaurant business. I was stuck in a vicious circle, making a lot of money, but spending it at the bars before I got home. And, uh, but you can make six figures as fast as you want. And there's two quotes in this business that I love. Um, you can make as much money as you can earn. And from Mr. Ziegler himself, you know, your raise becomes effective the moment you do. And once I, uh, once I realized that I love doing it, I told myself, if you don't focus on the money, the money will come. And boy, has that been true because, you know, my first year was tough, um, fighting lawsuits and being torn up on social media. When I left in, May, I landed my first client in August. I probably landed three dealerships from August to December. Um, 2017, 2016, I probably, I doubled uh, my output that year. 2018, I doubled my business again. 2019, I doubled my business again. And 2020, I plan on just taking it to another level. Yeah, no, I, I've certainly seen uh, you grow just watching it and, and watching it, you know, kind of from the outside. And, yeah. You know, I think I think a lot of the things you do for the industry are, are really great. And like you've always been super supportive of uh, helping me. So I really appreciate that as well. Um, so what would you say, you know, like if you had to look back and say, hey, you know what, these are like two key things and, and maybe the number's not two, but if you had to look back and say, hey, look, I when I started to now, if I could tell myself two pieces of advice, what would I say if I could, you know, time travel back and say, don't do this or try this or believe in yourself about this? 
Uh, two things I would tell myself. I would tell myself to, um, good question, if I can go back from the time I started doing this to the time I went now. I would tell myself to invest more in other people and trying to build my team faster. I took a lot on myself. I took a lot on myself. Um, thinking I had to do everything because I'm so focused on the the client itself, and that's what kind of separated me at my other deal, uh, my other company too, is because I was I was the relationship person. I believe everything is a relationship. I believe there's a difference between a client and a customer. A customer's once a client is forever, and that's why you see me going back to the same dealerships a lot, is because they don't ever let me go, so to speak. And uh, so I would tell myself to build my team faster and to um, probably have opened my, my outsource BDC a little bit faster as well, too, because it's, it's a lucrative way for me to kind of stay home and be with my family a little bit more because I'm going to have a, a home office and I'm going to have some people working remotely as well. But those are probably the two things I tell myself. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And so when what would you, you know, if you were a new salesperson, I'm sure it happens to you at dealerships. You stop in, and a new person comes up to you. What advice would they give them, or what advice would you give them? You know, maybe they haven't sold a car yet, or maybe they have. It doesn't matter. But what would you tell them? When I tell them when I first meet somebody, I, first of all, when I go into dealerships, my my approach is unique. I tell them my story a little bit first, kind of like I told you, and then I make sure make them tell me their story because it's really important for me to be their friend first, so I can hold them accountable. But when I give them advice, I say, listen, two pieces of advice I can give you. Is number one, you got to have work ethic. If you're not known for your work ethic, if you're not if you're not willing to master your craft, don't expect to make any money. I promise you that. But if you're willing to master your craft, meaning master your product knowledge, master your walk around presentation, master presenting numbers, master social media, master doing walk around videos. I, and the, the analogy I give is: is Tom Brady doesn't forget how to throw a football, and he doesn't forget the playbook, right? He, he, he still goes to practice which is why he's still a phenomenal quarterback and one of the best, probably the best ever play, right? They're even they're right. probably one of the best NFL players ever, just a player, not even position-wise. But it's because he's very structured. Same thing with LeBron James. Right? And they get criticized because they make so much money. But people that perfect their craft are usually leaders of their industry. If we look around, even on social media, if we see all the people that are killing it, like Shaka Dyson, Jonathan Dawson, Alan Dickey, Ali Retta, Frank Frenitti, you know, we can keep naming names and names and names out there. Lisa Copeland, you know, we can keep naming them all. What we know is that they're consistent with their work ethic and they're, they're constantly doing something. It's what you do every day that makes it important. And then the second piece of advice I would say is to learn how to start your day the correct way, which is kind of what changed my life. Because... People say, Anthony, oh my God, you have such good energy. And I believe that my energy is way above normal. Um, I believe that we're always emitting or attracting energy. And um, it takes a lot of practice. I, I'm like everybody else. I'm married and have kids and I get stressed out. And But every day I do three things to change my mindset. As soon as I wake up. As soon as I wake up, it's 10 minutes to listen to something motivational. But in the first 10 minutes, I drink my coffee. I'm, sometimes I'm in the shower. I put something motivational on. Maybe I'm drinking a pre-workout to get myself jacked up. And then right after that, I'm looking to watch a comedian like Kevin Hart or Sebastian Manacuso or something so I can proactively look for my first laugh. Like you see me on social media, I put a picture with my son every day. Make sure to smile. It's a choice, right? I do that because it's practice. My son's name actually means happiness in Indian. So I'm, I'm glad he's such a happy kid and I make him do it because he smiles every day. He's one of the happiest kids I know. And it's because I make him practice it. Right? I make him smile. 
And then I and then I look for something to learn every day. I listen to a podcast. I do some. I, I'm going to learn something every day, whether it's a word of the day, whether it's a new rebuttal, whether it's a new way to do social media. You need to get yourself in the mindset and calibrate your mind, and realize that we can consciously create our mindset if we t- if we make it a choice and not let our subconscious take over. So that'll be the two things: master your craft and master your mindset. I, you know, I think there's so many people that don't don't keep you know, growing their brain as I call it, but like keep pushing themselves to, to learn more. You know, like I think of even when I got into doing the show, I knew absolutely nothing about making a podcast, yep. how anything would work with it. But I knew that there was the right people I could connect with and they would teach me some of it and what they couldn't teach me, I would learn myself along the way. Absolutely. Because number one, you're self-driven, but, right? And self-driven comes from believing in yourself and putting goals out there and achieving it. And that's, that's kind of why I did that 90-day workout. And kind of one of the things that changed my life as well is from something I learned from my former employer. The way we used to clock in is by sending an email saying task list and put bullet points down, the things we wanted to accomplish with our clients. And then we, the way we clocked out was another email saying recap and listing everything that we did off the task list. And when I did that 90-day goal, I, I, give, I give people 90-day goals now. I say, give yourself 10 things to do every single day. And then reward yourself after 90 days if you could do it for 90 days. Because success and failure just don't happen. So it's what you do along the way. And those, those little small victories, those little small goals that you achieve every single day will build your momentum. And all of a sudden, something good happens. And you think it's luck. And it's not luck. It's just your hard work paying off. It's your sacrifice developing into opportunities. Which is why people – I sign more deals on Facebook Messenger when I'm in an airplane traveling back from a dealership than any other trainer out there. I'm convinced of that. I get more people reaching out on Facebook Messenger to sign me up for travel for for, for training while I'm on airplanes. If you notice, That's every funny. time I'm on an airplane, I'm signing a deal. Yeah, I've, seen, I've, I've seen that actually. It's, it's, I told my wife I just want to hang out in airports. Like uh, it's like a lucky place. It's <laughs> <laughs> gonna start checking in everywhere. <laughs> That's funny. Right. So so you know, kind of to like wrap up a little bit, but like, yeah. uh, so what's the next, next? I mean, we talked a little about the BDC project, but what's the next? You know, what's the best version of you look like moving forward? Well, I have some big goals this year, my, my, my BDC. Um, one of my goals this year is to put a million dollars on my calendar in one day. Um, yeah, I, ha- I have a plan on how many clients I need to sign up for my offsite BDC and how long I need to have them signed up for. And I'm going to kind of throw that out there as a goal for myself and have people watch me because the hashtag for my company is lead by example. That's my mission statement is I'm not just going to show you. I'm, I'm not just going to teach you. I'm going to show you and roll up my sleeves and do it. So I can show you that it works. Um, I'm also getting myself, you know, I'm expanding out in other areas. I'm, I plan on buying a restaurant within the next year and a half because I, I love the restaurant business and I see myself being an owner. Um, and I want to get into more of the motivational speaking, which is why you see me doing a lot more speaking gigs. I, I got a couple things lined up for a couple of universities I'm going to be speaking at. I got a couple of OEMs I'm going to be speaking for in 2020. So, uh, you know, you're going to see me a lot more in a speaking circuit. I'm going to be heads down in my 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 BDC and I'll still be training dealerships, but I'm going to stick to training dealerships that uh, really, really need me and, and my clients that really want to just keep me coming back on a monthly basis. I have a lot of people that keep me on retainer just to come back for them. That's awesome. And and I just had one last thing I was thinking about was, so what was it like going to, you know, you go from selling people like in the hospitality industry yep. to going to sell businesses, right? Like even to be a speaker, you have to get the OEM to want you to come speak. Which yeah. I can imagine is a completely different learning curve than yeah. you know selling people obviously in a restaurant. You know, you know how I became what I do now. 
literally. I remember working for my for my old company when I was a just a when I was a phone analyst when I was listening to phone conversations. I was a I was a mystery shopper, right? I put it in my email address, motivational coach, national sales trainer, and he said, "What are you doing?" I said, "I'm making it real." I said, "Watch." So honestly, the way it what it was like, it was it was awesome to transition, but I realized that everything in life is just relationship based, and you, you got to have social proof and you got to you got to have the results. So I told myself, Anthony, don't focus on chasing being a speaker. Focus on the way I became a speaker is just by training dealerships and then getting so much exposure from training the dealerships because I do post results and people do post the results that they get with me. And then having people reach out to me for speaking opportunities because of those results and then convincing myself it was just like going to a dealership with a bigger audience. I'm talking to a bunch of car guys. If, I got, if I'm at a conference of 300 people, there's a 300 dealership employees that I'm talking to. They're regular people just like, just like me and they're here to learn from me. So what's the difference? And I just changed the way I look at the whole approach and I started speaking at one conference. Then I got invited to a second and then OEM started reaching out. I, I didn't reach out to anybody. They just started reaching out to me just like my dealerships. And one opportunity turns into another and then you post it and then you get them to leave you reviews. And every time I go to a conference, I give away a free day of training with, with, with my, I pay for my travel expense and they're like, what are you doing? And then other trainers are like, what are you doing? I'm like, don't you know, every person that drops a card in, in my contest is a, is a prospect <laughs> and wants me to train them. Right. So if I don't get them now, I'll get them later. <laughs> That's an awesome approach. Well, man, I re I really appreciate you being on the show. I don't want to take up any more of your morning and, uh, you know, I think it gave us a lot of insight into a little bit about you and, uh, hopefully you get some, uh, you know, great people reaching out to you because they heard you on the show. And, uh, you know, it means a lot to me that, that, that you chose to do it. And I know everybody's time is, is super valuable. And I, I, listen, I appreciate you thinking about me and even asking me, I'm honored to do it with you, bro. I'm glad that you feel uh, that I have something to offer to the industry. And so whatever you need, brother, I'm a phone call away. You know that. Yeah, I just got to get you one of my hats now, so you can yes, be wearing bro. that in your photos, rather rather than the other businesses bro, that uh, that I always see you wearing. I'll text, I'll text you my address. People know I, I'm a hat guy. I collect a hat from everywhere I go, and if I like the hat, I'm branded it, and I like yours. Sales is like, know it, bro. I can totally rock that. So I'll, I'll inbox you my address. Make it happen. Okay. <laughs> All right, buddy. I'll catch up with you later. Thanks so much. Well, take care. Bye bye. Yep.